Paddy Goes to Petra, Part 1. Near FM presents Paddy Goes to Petra, written by Anya Ryan, directed by Anna Nugent. Please be advised the topic we are about to explore may not be suitable for young listeners. This production was recorded remotely during the COVID-19 pandemic. Bally Bunyan was our dart for years, when the children were young. Friends of ours had a cottage by Beale Beach. Cross the road and the Atlantic Ocean beckoning majestically before you. We'd go every July for a week. Eilish's sister Julie and her family would usually join us, and we'd all cram in together. One or two of us sleeping on the floor, usually me. Julie's husband Jack is a finance man. He was earning enough money even back then to have had his family vacationing in Bali. But no, all they ever wanted was Bali Bunyan. Our neighbour, Tom Murray, would be watching the cows for me and if anything went wrong, I could zip back to my farm in two hours. When our friends sold that cottage, we started holidaying in other counties. Eilish and our daughter Joanna would trawl through listings in the paper of holiday homes for let. We stayed in some fine establishments, but some real dodgy places too. The farmhouse in Castlemaine was the absolute worst. Damp and old-fashioned without charm, and to top it off, the widow letting the house was camped up in a caravan beside it and still came in to access the bathroom during our stay. Good morning, Mrs O'Shea. I sang the famous song associated with the area in the car on the way down. My son Killian remembered the words for that song for the longest time after, so at least that was something. Mayo, Donegal, Galway, Wexford, Waterford, West Cork, Kerry again. We did them all. Some years neighbours came with us. One time we had twenty people in a house with bedroom space supposedly for six. Eilish would invite every sort. We even had the parish priest on holiday with us below in Rosslare. It's great to be popular. Oh, wonderful Eilish. And I inside, peeling endless potatoes and parsnips to feed the masses. Joanna and Killian insisted on bringing a friend too as they got older. A mutual friend because we could only fit one other in the car. So we used to bring Sadie Tierney from the village. They both got along with her famously. I would have stayed travelling Ireland forever. But aged 11 or that, Joanna started to inquire about holidaying somewhere foreign. Returning to school in September, she'd hear other classmates going on about holidays in Spain, Portugal, them usual sun-drenched nations. Eilish absolutely spoils the kids, and she got infected with equal notions of exploring Europe. Thankfully, the price for those package holidays is a farce, so we quickly ruled that out and compromised by visiting Wales. Ah, it was worth it. 
for the excitement on Joanna's face driving up to Dublin Port for the six o'clock ferry to Hollyhead. After that, we didn't actually go anywhere foreign again for a while, because once the lads started secondary school, opportunities seemed to emerge from every direction for trips abroad. Joanna's trad group ended up in Chicago for a stint on St. Patrick's Day. Then she had a German and French language exchange. Killian did an amount of travel too, but once school let out for summer, he seemed satisfied enough attending parties around home for fun. He liked going on the Irish holidays with myself and Eilish too, asking if Sadie could still come with us, and Eilish and I none the wiser as to where it would eventually lead. Once college started, I didn't blink an eye when Joanna said she wanted to attend university abroad. When suddenly every month there seemed to be a trip away, however, I became baffled as to how she was affording it. Granted, she had a part-time job, but I certainly wasn't giving her any handouts. I ne'er died. It's unbelievable. Does anybody here know anything about the ancient city of Petra? Firstly, does anybody know its whereabouts? I didn't either before I went. I rocked onto the entrance, largely clueless as to what lay inside. Its location, first of all, is in Jordan, that Arab nation of eight million people located at the crossroads of Asia, Africa and Europe. Though not precisely known when Petra was built, historians reckon the city began to prosper as the capital of the Nabataean Empire from the first century BC. Good to know some things still remain older than ourselves, isn't it? Petra grew rich in the trade of frankincense, myrrh and spices. And when later annexed to the Roman Empire, it continued to thrive. A large earthquake in 363 AD destroyed much of it though. That combined with changes in trade routes led to its downfall, leading to it being ultimately abandoned by the middle of the 7th century. Lost to all except the local Bedouin from the area. Then, in 1812, a Swiss explorer named Johannes Burckhardt set out to rediscover Petra. Dressing up as an Arab, he convinced his Bedouin guide to take him to the lost city. Since then, Petra became increasingly known in the West as a fascinating place where great natural, cultural, archaeological and geological features merge. Well, what do you reckon? Would you pay for that coming from my mouth while you walk around Petra? That was the plan anyway. I figured if I was going to stay there long term, being a tour guide was ideal. Myself and my Bedouin friend Faraj sussed that I'd do well basing myself at the start of the trail, easily snagging tourists for a guided walk. Farage then would appear halfway through the tour, promoting his donkey rides for the remainder of the trek. Not that it's a competitive environment in Petra between Bedouin for business. Quite the opposite, in fact. Petra acts as one big factory from which all the locals can eke some sort of a living, whether it's through donkeys, camels, or selling souvenirs at stalls dotted along the trails. Of course, it's expensive to enter into Petra to commence with, myself and Eilish discovered that first morning. Right, Eilish, there's a 50 JD entrance fee. That's about 65 euro. Hmm? Uh, no, that thing about 1 JD is the price for Jordanian nationals. 
pity we didn't know earlier. And you could have plastered us both in your fake tan. <laughs> Pretended we were natives. Like they wouldn't check our passports. That and the fact that the only Arabic we know is Shakron. It's easily worth that. It's one of the new wonders of the world. Thankfully, I convince her. We walk towards Bab al-Sikh, Arabic for gateway to the Sikh. The Sikh being a natural splitting of the rocks. Eilish has her head cocked to the air, as though she's already spotting the intricate tombs. Something noteworthy, Eilish? Just clouds that will no doubt unleash atop us within minutes. As it happened, weather-wise it couldn't have been a worse day to visit Petra. That murky sky that's been lurking since morning begins bucketing down as we enter the Sikh. The Sikh being a narrow gorge over a kilometre in length caused from a natural splitting of the mountain. Plenty of shelter anyway. For God's sake, Paddy, we'll get pneumonia if this keeps up. Eilish belongs to that category of Irish people who spend an astonishingly little amount of time in rain. She's straight from house to car, car to work, with little reason to ever be outdoors in wet weather, apart from the odd search for me down the fields if I fail to return from the farm for my dinner. Eventually the spillage lightens off and we make it to the treasury, or in Arabic, Al-Kazna. It's one of Petra's most magnificent facades. Almost 40 metres high, it's intricately decorated with Corinthian capitals, friezes, figures, and crowned by a funerary urn. Do you reckon many people turn around upon making it to this point? Ah, Eilish, let's stay going. It's softening up again now. It wasn't, however. Ten minutes later, even wilder weather resumes and Eilish and I sprint like Olympians for a cafe along the street of facades. Look, we'll come back tomorrow if the conditions stay this damp. Couldn't we postpone our trip to Amman? The guidebook doesn't label it an exciting capital. Since when did you become a stickler for guidebooks? In fairness to Eilish, the weather in Petra is an unexpected adjustment after the heat we experienced down in Aqaba. Jordan's port city along the Red Sea. We've spent our first two days there, 24 and 25 degrees Celsius respectively, to correspond with the calendar dates 24th and 25th of December. You wouldn't have registered it was Christmas, our dinner consisting of falafel and hummus at a plastic table on the main street of the city. In October, Eilish had approached me first with the idea. What do you mean, Miss Christmas? Take sleeping tablets and snooze through it? No, Paddy. Like, go away. Fly somewhere, the festivities won't be so on our face. I still didn't know how she'd actually cope being away for the day itself, though. Even at Sofia Airport, she was tapping her Ryanair app, 90 to the dozen, to decide our fate as we queued up for our flight. We'd flown to Bulgaria on the 20th, and the plan was Jordan on the 23rd. Oh, I'll message Julie and tell her we'll be home for Christmas Day. There are seats on the flight back to Dublin tomorrow. Yeah, maybe Sophia was enough of a break for us. I'm kind of nervous about Jordan now. Usually Eilish loves the airport. Sipping a coffee, people watching. Here I can tell she's on edge. I don't remember security checks like this before Morocco. I was feeling the same myself. Syria, Israel, the West Bank, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Egypt... Could a country ask for more intimidating neighbours? At least flying from Ireland, you can have the crack with other passengers before boarding. 
Well, lads, have you been to this patch of grass before? Here our fellow passengers are all just mouthing away in Bulgarian, so it's only each other we have to articulate our concerns. Well, what's the verdict? We should do this, Paddy. We must challenge ourselves. In Petra, I try to get my wife to remember her enthusiasm. We're after another hour or so of walking, and we've passed the majority of significant sites by this time, at least. The theatre, the royal tombs, the colonnaded street, the great temple complex. Just as we approach the Khazir al-Bint temple, however, the rain recommences. It splashes us like bullets, so we rush to a cave. We're the only tourists in the cave, but a pair of young Bedouin boys enter soon after, soaked but laughing. Farage and Diego. Diego's real name is Muhammad, but considering half the male population of Jordan seems to be Muhammad, Diego is the nickname that stuck. And yes, this is the Farage I mentioned earlier, who in time will become a close friend of mine. Lads, does anybody ever mention that Johnny Depp's costume department in Pirates of the Caribbean surely found inspiration here? Scarves wrap round their heads, coal lines their eyes, and curls spring lively to their waists. Right, I'm finished with this, Petra. I can't hack these conditions anymore. Eilish, we've only the monastery left to do. Heat yourself with more tea. Even tea won't satisfy Eilish at this moment. Diego... I want a donkey ride back to the entrance. And she hoists herself up on his animal without haggling on a price and riding off like the Queen of Sheba in a raincoat. Would you like my donkey to take you to the top, buddy? Begod, Farage. Would she carry a man the weight of me? Feck it, I'd love to get up with one. Up I hop, and oh, the ride is worth all the money in the world because Farage walks alongside me and explains the significance and history of every little nook to me in rich detail. His impeccable English, he says, comes from speaking with tourists every day. He shows me the lion triclinium and why it is so named, due to the two lions carved on both sides of the entrance. And Eilish really misses out in the tea department too. We stop for tea twice in the hour it takes to get up to the monastery. Free servings, because Farage seems to be a friend of every stallholder we meet along the way. At the second stall, belonging to his cousin, I buy a scarf, hand-woven by women in the village. Scarves here are the things to buy. 3JD sorts you out with the same variety a local would wear. Farage assembles it correctly on me. Often I wear tweed caps at home, but... Perhaps this is what will fend me from the wind in future. Although, another strange thing, the weather turns pleasant almost as soon as Eilish leaves. It's still chilly, but it's dry, and to be honest, I wouldn't want it to be any hotter with all the steps you have to climb. I'm off the donkey for the final ascent, despite Farage's assurances she won't misplace her footing. See? Nothing will happen. Farage has jumped back atop her. Riding the donkey, he gets requested for so many pictures. Postcard perfect for what you imagine a traditional Bedouin boy to be. Is it for the attention you wear that eyeliner, Farage? They're selling coal at the next stall we pass, so Farage picks some up and asks me if I want to wear a bit. 
This is going to sound strange, but I have actually worn eyeliner before. Joanna used to occasionally ransack Eilish's makeup box, and I was her model. She'd get a real kick from applying it on me. One day, Joanna was homesick from school, lying off in bed. So to cheer her up, I let her make me up. She was really going for it. My eyelids were painted emerald, my blush was deep purple, and I had orange lip gloss glazing my lips thick as marmalade. Next thing, the phone rings, and I hear that Killian is after getting a fall in a football match and he'll probably need to be driven to the hospital. Eilish is working, so down I dash in a panic, and into the school I go, a face like Dolly Parton during a stage show. Did I mention my hair is bunched up in pigtails? <laughs> Jesus, what must have been running through that teacher's mind when she saw me? I think that same lady turned up at the funeral, actually. I swear, she was still looking at me weird. Most people stop once they reach the monastery. It's one of the largest monuments of all Petra. It measures over 47 metres wide and 48 metres high. The space was used for the meetings of religious associations and dates to the 2nd century AD. We continue on toward the viewing platform further on from the monastery that provides a stunning view over terrain for miles beyond Petra. I feel like I'm in a biblical scene. Farage knows another path that will take us to further heights for an even more spectacular vista. We wind our way to the hut of a Bedouin about the same age as myself. He has a fire lighting in some sort of tin bin contraption. To boil water or for tea he offers us several minutes later. More tea. They're worse than the Irish here. Farage and I use the flames to warm our hands too. It's relaxing just to sit here. On the edge of this mount, it's as though we are cavemen. It truly does feel removed from all else in the world. I wonder why he even bothers with the stall, because it's so hidden. But maybe that's the charm for the people that stray here. You do feel encouraged to sit a while. He sells jewellery too, handcrafted pieces all displayed on tables to the rear of the tent. While Farage and the owner converse in Arabic, I inspect the necklaces. Think about buying one for Eilish or Joanna. Although... If I buy one for Joanna, it could be years before she receives it. Such sporadic rates she visits. It's funny with Eilish, too. Whenever I buy her something, she usually criticises my taste. Then, when I stopped buying her gifts, she got upset and told me she still wanted me to buy her pieces even if she didn't like them. I imagine this is some spot at sunset. Even better to watch the sun rising. If you like to see that, then stay tonight in my cave. Hello, Eilish. Restaurant reservation. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it down in time for dinner now, Eilish. I, I, I'm sleeping in a cave here. <laughs> yeah, with Farage. I, I won't have to pay another entrance fee tomorrow if I just stay here overnight. I want to be up at sunrise and explore more of the trails. The bus isn't leaving until three for a man tomorrow, right? I'll be back by then. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time with each other in Cyprus. Cyprus? We've still a week booked there after this. We're meeting Julie and Jack in Paos for one of those all-inclusive package hotel breaks. A relaxing trip. I hope. I used to love travelling with Julie and Jack, but it's turned awkward since Jack had an affair last year. We didn't find out much details of it. Not even who the woman was. 
Someone from his work, we reckon. You can tell the difference, though, between the before and after, even if we meet them for an hour to sip drinks. I suppose after something like that it can never really go back to how it was. The one topic they do get mutual pride in discussing is their children. But with Killian gone, they're afraid Eilish or myself will get upset if they talk of them. So that'll be the week facing me in Cyprus. Everyone trying to be polite and pretend nothing is too amiss. Booking a multi-destination trip, though, I do believe is a good idea. You're not sad leaving one holiday because you're straight into another. In fact, seldom Eilish books a single destination anymore. We've covered most places in Europe with a direct flight from Dublin already. Last year's multi-trip was madness, however. Eilish didn't want Christmas at home either then, but we weren't brave enough to call quits on it completely, so what did she do? Only sandwich Christmas between two holidays. Grenoble before Christmas, and then left again on December the 27th for Wroclaw, Poland. You can fly there from Shannon, you see, but by God, it doesn't matter what airport you fly from after a heavy session St. Stephen's night. Your own fault for going to the pub. I had to go to the pub. Considering a big group from our community had gone hunting the wren to raise funds for charity, all in Killian's honour. It was nice, mind you, Vruslov. After that, we moved on to Ukraine. Eilish wanted to go there because the currency is great value at the moment after the troubles. Although I nearly did have divorce papers on the table when she told me that instead of actually flying from Kiev back to Ireland, we were in fact bussing it the entire way back to Vruslov. Travel time, 18 hours. All flights this trip, I insisted. A snowy Sofia was actually nice. It had that winter wonderland feel when we arrived. As a city, though, I'm not sure how I'd rate it. I didn't get much of a chance to explore. I normally just follow Eilish to wherever she marks out to go. And for Sophia, well... It feels like we're only moving coffee shop to coffee shop here, Eilish. I get inspired to write in different places, Paddy. If you don't like my itinerary, form your own or go back to the hotel and sleep. And matter of fact... That's precisely what I did do on many of the trips we took back at the beginning. What city was it that I slept the whole way through? Brussels. Many other places I basically just saw the airport. I honestly just couldn't find motivation to get out of the bed. Budapest. Stockholm. Amsterdam too. You could at least make an effort to see the Anne Frank house, Paddy. Haven't you read her diary countless times? No, I can't, Eilish. It's too hard thinking what those people went through to try and stay alive when my own son. In Oslo, Joanna's friend put us up in her studio apartment. The ingenuity in that, from Joanna's perspective, was that I couldn't just stay in her friend's apartment all day long. Eilish had her told on the phone. In Paris, he did his sightseeing from the hotel balcony, Joanna. Rome, he wouldn't even stray out for a pizza. 
that's when Joanna came up with the idea to go couch surfing. Have any of you ever been couch surfing? Do you know the concept? Basically, it's a website where you write a profile of yourself and then you message another person on this website who lives in the city or town you want to visit. You ask if they can host you. And by that I mean, yes, staying at this stranger's home for free. In Switzerland, Eilish announces that we are couch surfing. The host that has accepted our request to couch surf at his place in Basel is a postgraduate student with a lovely flat and an L-shaped couch that's to be our oasis for the night. I was expecting either a creep or a simpleton to be the only possible candidate accepting us fogies in on top of him, but were greeted by a kind, witty, intelligent young man. We did more couch surfing in Lucerne. It was with a married couple. Now, this was gas because not only were the couple giving us free accommodation, but they ended up being an alibi for Eilish to get time off work. We were only back from Morocco a couple of weeks, you see, when Eilish found these very cheap flights Dublin into Basel. To get off work, her spontaneous excuse had been that our second cousin was getting married in Switzerland. Our hosts are only married a couple of months. So that evening, as soon as they've gone to bed, Eilish gets out their wedding album. What are you doing, Eilish? Evidence of my mysterious Swiss second cousin. But that's nothing on Berlin. There I wake up with the host, a baldy man named Michel, in the bed next to me. I'd gone to bed early and not twenty minutes later, Michelle is spooned in against my spine, kissing my neck. <laughs> well, I sprang down the stairs fast as a hare. Eilish, we need to race from the place. Michelle got into the bed beside me. Oh, so you didn't like it. Well, Jesus almighty, Eilish had arranged for such a thing. She thought I might fancy something new. Therefore, when Farage and I are getting the cave ready, I think suddenly of Michelle and ponder if maybe that's what will happen in the middle of tonight. Oh Christ, is Farage going to try to get it on with me? No, calm down now, Paddy. He met your wife earlier. So, has any other tourist ever stayed up here with you before, Farage? Yeah, one or two may have enjoyed my hospitality here over the years. Although not so many old kind, I'll admit. Right. <laughs> Mainly a certain female demography garnering invitations, though. Is it? I laugh, then. Confident now that this young fella's sexual appetite will be spared on me. He draws out a bottle of scotch that one such guest left him. And as he pours me a glass, my assumptions that Farage isn't a clean-living Muslim are confirmed. He explains affectionately of Bedouin culture and asks about Irish folklore. I tell him of a renowned rebel from my own area, Eamon Unchnick. I sing the song so he can learn the lyrics and impress the next Irish girl who comes along and takes his fancy. They sing that song at the funeral. It was probably completely inappropriate. 
but Killian played Eamon and Chnick in a local production of it two years ago. And that's what he sang. The cave is surprisingly warm. Farage gives me his coat from a pile of clothing he keeps in the corner. Diego arrives with a lamb dish that his mother has cooked. He thinks nothing of having trekked 30 minutes from the village up to quell our hunger pangs, because hospitality is of utmost priority in Bedouin culture. That, and the fact that a few other Bedouin friends are facilitating a sleepover for three Danish backpackers in another cave further up. Begod, lads, the excitement of the globe congregates here. It's good to share some banter with these young men. For a few minutes I sit back and imagine it's my son here. He reminds me of Killian, this Farage, although they couldn't look more different. Killian with his blue eyes, fair hair and tall body. Being in the cave with the boys, in fact, reminds me of the time I brought Killian to his first university house. We introduced ourselves to his future housemates. I was staying the night with them after the drive down and this lad called Freddy, who was renting the bedroom opposite Killian's, asks, do we want to start on the rum? God, for the night that's in it, I'll have a shot. And out we go. Normally a young lad wouldn't want his father with them on the first night of college, but Killian was confident like that. Even joking to the girls we met out that I was a mature student. Then we got back to the house. The two of us together so merry and exhausted we got jumbled as to what bedroom was his and turned out the two of us passed out on the bed beside Freddy. I think all the friends from that house turned up at his funeral. Some of them even called in for chats in the days and weeks afterwards. They've all been great. They know how close I was to him. Lord, is this cold thing waterproof? I'm fine, Farage. I'm just thinking about my son. He would love this. You should bring him some time. You're free accommodation now. Sometimes I do that. I don't bother mentioning that he's dead. If they don't know it already, I can't really bring myself to tell them. The bereavement counsellor said that it's a common thing to do while processing loss. Bereavement counsellor. I finally gave in and attended one. Joanna brought me a bundle for my birthday. Six counselling sessions for the price of five. I'll just take the five if you don't mind. I thought the counsellor would be pleased with me lightening her workload. We'll see how you get on, Patrick. Just take small steps, Patrick. One foot in front of the other, that's all you have to do. I actually did 13 sessions in the end, imagine. After the incident last year, I couldn't refuse support. It was last October Joanna gifted me that voucher, by post. She hasn't been home since she left. We've offered to buy her a plane ticket home from Rio numerous times, but she maintains she's too busy, and she has a Brazilian boyfriend now too. What's for her at home anyway? Maybe staying away is her coping mechanism.
I can't even remember the last time I woke in Ireland without an alarm. Every morning it hits you. Your son is not about to hog the shower. Killian's dead. No snooze button for that. The aroma of sage tea on the boil fills my nostrils. I feel myself a piping hot glass of it. And I walk outside to pet the donkey. I suddenly remember that I haven't even paid Farage for the donkey ride yesterday. I hold out 15 JD for him, but Farage presses it back into my palm. You're a friend now, buddy. I enjoyed your company. Diego arrives on with breakfast, again freshly prepared in the village home. It's a falafel wrap and feels a bit like eating dinner. But once I take the first bite, it's so tasty and filling, I clear the rest. We peer down at the tourists who have forgone a lion to enter Petra just past the official opening time. Unlikely any will regret the early rise, the turning sunlight hitting the monuments in splendid colours. When Farage fills me in about the other trails to hike within Petra's bounds, I know I'm not going to make it out of this place for three o'clock. I won't be going to Jordan's capital this afternoon. I just won't. Look, you go to a man with them Americans you met having dinner. I'll follow on there later this evening. I'll get a taxi if needs be. Can't you sit in cafes, do a bit of writing, Eilish? Don't you love that sort of thing? Ah, marriage. It's interesting, isn't it? It was everything I ever imagined at first. I suppose it's only natural as we grow that the relationship grows too, though. What happens when it blooms into a different flower to the one you thought you'd planted to begin with. Paddy, I'm going to start having sex again. This was in Marrakesh. Eilish and I haven't had sex in years, even since before Killian's death. We're still sleeping together in the same bed, all right, but an arm draped top one another the occasional morning is as tender as we play. Uh, all right, Eilish. Give me a minute to check my machinery's in order. Not with you. With Samu and Omar. From the cafe? You can't be serious. Samu and Omar are middle twenties at most. Well, I hardly want to get atop your rusty engine when these young guns accepted my request. Request? I approached them about the idea. Look, my therapist encouraged it. Eilish sees a therapist also. Obviously, a different one to mine. I just want to be flesh. Get my body moving again. Why are you even telling me this? I want you to be in the apartment while it's happening, just in case it turns dodgy. And so a couple of hours later, Simu and Omar are closing down the shutter of the cafe where we've been eating breakfast the past few days. Fierce grins stamped between both their beards. I suppose these lads are using Eilish as much as she's using them, considering extramarital sex here is not a widespread practice. 
through the city the four of us weave to Cebu's apartment in one of the ancient souks. And I tell you something, to this day, if I see a combination of one woman and three men walking together, I still can't look them straight in the eye. Inside, Omar feeds me tangine and sets his laptop up in front of me, asking me if there's anything in particular on YouTube I'd like to watch. Could you stick on a hurling match? So a rerun of the 2016 All-Ireland Final between Kilkenny and Tipperary is blaring out to divert my attention from the bedroom affairs. The two boys take it in turns with Eilish. So Omar sits on the couch watching the first half of the game and Simu is with me for the second. Extra time, the two of them go into her together. Yeah, it was all right. Well, it must have been more than all right, because now, to whatever country we travel, she makes it her business to sample the men there if she can at all. I'm not implying she pounds the streets searching for it, but if she does happen to find a potential suitor, she isn't afraid to mention that she's in an open marriage. It's like food. Some countries have a very pronounced cuisine, and others, you might as well be eating what's at home. I don't know what she means by that. I'm the only menu there. I probably should have forbid it when she first commenced such activity, but what would that have achieved? I don't believe in controlling. I don't feel threatened. I almost don't feel anything. Mainly it's just of bodily benefit to her, although there have been a few friendships that have blossomed beyond the sheets. The most serious one was with the Italian man we met in Granada, Spain. This Lorenzo, then, was the reason for taking us last summer to Naples. She had us volunteering at a hostel, so we could get free accommodation. I say us lightly, because while she was out navigating Almalfi with Lorenzo, yours truly was cleaning toilets and mopping floors for four hours every morning. Mind you, there were other volunteers there my own age with whom I was able to have a laugh. Phil, a witty Yorkshire man who was sick of Sheffield. And Nick, an ex-Navy officer living off his pension in the heat. Our banter lacked a little, of course, when Eilish started to bed them too. Not that I was deprived. The paid cleaning lady, Illyria, actually wanted to get it on with me, but even when romance was there for me in a plate, I had no desire for it. Now that I know I have the entire day in Petra, I relax a bit. I complete the walk to the high place of sacrifice. We bypassed it yesterday, so I enjoy a slow-paced climb to the mountain summit and witness where the Nabataeans carved their most sacred open-air altar and performed ritual killings of animals. On completing that, I spent the afternoon leisurely with Farage, Diego and their friend Imad. We're back at the cave where I first met them yesterday. They drink tea and wait leisurely for more tourists to inquire about their donkey ride service. I gaze out at Petra and wonder if it's the best place I've ever visited. Eilish has dragged me to at least 30 different countries since Killian's death. How many places I've really seen, though, 
considering the state I've been in, I don't know. It's a bit of money Killian had in the bank that we usually draw from to fund these flights. I thought initially the reason Killian did what he did must have been due to some massive financial danger, closet gambling addiction or what have you. But actually, he had plenty in his account. Eilish, of course, is back working in the nursing home too, so that's let us be a bit looser with the coins. Although... That job is as much of a reason as to why she needs the breaks. The nursing home was located not five minutes down the road from us. Eilish is witnessing fit and strong men and women she's known all her life being spoon-fed and changed out of nappies. We've got to enjoy this earth while we're able. Every inch of it. Unfortunately, I'm going to miss another bit of it now, though. Because I make the decision not to go to Amman at all. I don't know if I'm going to make it to Amman now, uh, Eilish. Uh, I'm after losing my passport. I haven't, of course. Matter of fact, as I speak to her, I'm clutching the passport in my left hand. Yeah, I, I had it in my pocket coming in here. I, I know you always warn me to leave my passport at the hotel, but I, I, I brought it for identification uh, to do the currency exchange, remember? I feel bad lying to my wife, but there's no way she will let me stay on here otherwise. You fly to Cyprus. Jack and Julie will be with you over there, at least. I, what else can I do, Eilish? Uh, you, you brought my suitcase with you? Yes. I thought it'd be easier while I had a lift. Does that include my phone charger? I presume so. I shoved everything we had at the hotel room in there. Well, I'll, I'll be off-grid once this battery dies, so... My phone is one of those ancient jokes you can't even buy a charger for anymore. Look, all I can say to you is that I'll fly on to Paphos as soon as I locate the passport. Don't sound so annoyed, Eilish. It's not that big of a deal. Just as well the phone dies at that point. I know full well now that I won't be going to Cyprus, and I'll take a week here instead. I suppose this'll be my constant attire for the week. The good thing about the Bedouin coat, at least, is that no one really knows what's under it. I have my wallet too, with plenty of cash inside, with what I exchanged yesterday. And it does instantly feel like a weight is lifted from my shoulders. Whether it's that I don't have to spend a week performing platitudes with Jack and Julie. Or that I'm going to finally have a week without Eilish dictating my actions. I'm unsure. In fact, having nobody at all poking their nose in is a treat. I'd go as far as saying everybody in the county back home knows what happened to me. Nothing glamorous about getting recognised for tragedy, though. No stairs in Wadi Musa, anyway. That's the town beside Petra. It's got a charming local pulse to it. Not just a tourist trap. I've strayed in for a mug of milky tea, but the barista of the cafe I sit in, however, boasts he has an Italian coffee machine. I'll let you in on a secret. I've never tasted a cappuccino, despite all the coffee shops Eilish has dragged me to. You know what, sir? I'll try one. I buy a small box of baklava as a gift to Farage. I asked him earlier about accommodation in his cave for the week ahead. Stay as long as you want. I have those lyrics to learn, remember? 
Farage has arranged for Imad to collect me in the town and give me a lift out to the Bedouin village. Imad is in shopping to get furnishings for his apartment that in the coming weeks he will begin to rent to tourists. And that's an indication of how my week in Petra goes. A mix of studying up the ancient civilization that inhabited this kingdom and becoming familiar with the current people residing here today. I complete all the recommended trails and navigate new ones. In the evening time I hitch a lift into Wadi Buza. I sit with my cappuccino and by the time the week is up I'm beginning to see the allure of coffee shop life. I buy a copy book and pen and write notes while I'm sipping. It's amazing what thoughts come if you put a blank page in front of you. Oh, Cyprus is far more up my street, Patty. Eilish is on the line via Farage's phone. I've enjoyed my week so much too. Uh, Thanks, Eilish. I've started journaling my thoughts and... uh, Jack and Julie had to cut short their vacation. Jack had a crisis company meeting, but I'm doing fine. I've bonded with this brilliant man called Stefan, an Austrian human rights lawyer who is in Cyprus studying the conflict zones on the island. Oh, well, I've still had no luck with the passport. The um, embassy won't be able to process it for uh, a couple of more weeks. Right. Call me when it's sorted. Stefan is due to be here for another few weeks so I can stay with him. All that... And I fretting about whether the woman would speak to me. Another week in Petra awaits. I can't believe my luck, even if it seems the strangest of bargains. I'm smitten with my days here now, exploring the nooks and crannies of Petra itself, and then in the evening over coffee, the nooks and crannies of my own emotional arena. Unfortunately though, when Eilish is back on the line the following Tuesday, my plans are in for a detour. Somebody from the Austrian sauna club back home saw him with Eilish on the beach and sent Stefan packing back to his wife. I thought Stefan was a bachelor, Paddy. Did he ask if you had a husband? Yeah, but I don't think they have quite the same arrangement as us. Listen, I'll just come back to Petra. I get a rude awakening at this point. I don't want Eilish back over here. This period away is only beneficial if she isn't part of it. No, I I think it'd be better if you go back to Ireland, Eilish. Don't wuss out now, Paddy. Say exactly what you want to say. Listen, I'm in a bit of a situation out here. I've been kind of involved in my own romance, you see. Uh, Romance with myself kind of thing. I, I, I think I want to live here for a bit. You know... Alone. Last year I was in such a bad place emotionally. I didn't think I could take another day in such low form. It was May. A bright sunny morning. That's another thing. Divil a difference between sunshine and rain. To a dark heart. Eilish was away doing the final weeks of a writing course. So she still doesn't know any of this. Since Killian's death, Eilish has been making forward motion into pursuing what she wants in life. Considering she's always been scribbling down ideas for scripts, she took a year out from the nursing home to learn her craft properly, attend various film and writers' festivals. 
It wasn't like I needed anything domestically while she was away. We usually have volunteers living with us in the house now. Similar to our arrangement in Naples, Joanna created a listing on one of the volunteer websites after Killian died to get someone to help me out on the farm. I wasn't able for the workload on my own. Buckets filling with tears instead of cattle meal. A Moldovan couple were volunteering with us at the time. We always make the volunteers aware of our situation, so if I burst randomly into tears or do something seemingly crazy like blast slitters through a window because I want to remind myself of all the times Killian did that, they'll know. It's an act of grief. Gabriela's job was cooking meals and keeping the house clean. Her boyfriend was assisting me with the cows. Jesus, when I recall it, what must have they been thinking when they found me preparing to swing from that rope? They've come from a country of rampant poverty. And there I am, all the spoils of the world, bar a living son, about to throw it away easy as that. After that incident, they looked after me like a royal and in broken English coaxed me back to a positive mindset for living. I think they did tell Joanna, though. That was maybe how the counselling sessions came about. Since then, some days the pain is still overbearing. And, actually, the reason I carried my passport that day into Petra, yes, I needed it for the currency exchange, but also because I knew... In Petra there were tall desert canyons. Surely they could be an ideal place to slip. The play you have just heard, Paddy Goes to Petra, by Anya Ryan, directed by Anna Nugent, was performed by Abdul Al-Sharif as Faraj, Imad, Morris, Tim Casey as Paddy, Gina Costigan as Air Hostess and Attendant 2, Jesse Doyle as Ryan Air Hostess, Attendant 4 and Bereavement Counselor, Paul Nugent as Jack, Killian, Radu and Captain, Mo O'Connell as Joanna and Attendant 1, Owen O'Sullivan as John Bjog, Tom Murray and Dermot. Fiona Tobin as Eilish and script consultancy provided by Claire Monolly. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.